Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name's Johnny, together with my wife Amy, we lead this church here in the centre of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. If we can help you in any way at all, please feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. Hello, is everyone doing all right? Good. Okay. Um, now, um, for some of you, uh, you might know that um, I am studying theology at the moment. I'm doing a theology degree, yeah, St. Melitus. Um, and actually, for my most recent assignment, um, I am studying a woman called Julian of Norwich. Anyone heard Julian of Norwich? Yes, this is the book. If anyone fancies some light reading, uh, go for it. In fact, um, I was preparing for this, and Anna got the book, and, uh, and she said to me, this is Anna, my daughter, and she said, Mum, is that you? <laughs> I said, it's not, darling, but, you know, you know I would like to be like her. Um, anyway, she is an amazing woman. Uh, we don't know, actually, a ton about her, um, except that she was alive in uh, the late 14th and early 15th centuries. Um, and in her youth, she asked for three things. And the third, I'm going to read to you. I conceived a great longing, praying our Lord God that he would grant me three wounds in my lifetime. That is to say, the wound of contrition, the wound of compassion, and the wound of an earnest longing for God. Just as I asked for the other, with, no, with the other two, with no reservation, so I asked for the third with no reservation at all. Now, we've been in a series, as you know, uh, called The Saints, and we've been looking at holiness. What does it look like for us to grow um, in holiness? And we've um, talked about what is holiness. We talked about holy pace, um, holy ambition. Uh, George spoke last week about what it looks like to be a holy fool. Um, and if you haven't heard any of those, I would really recommend going online and catching up on the podcast, because it has been a remarkable uh, couple of weeks. I know I've spoken to some of you who feel sort of exhausted by the challenge uh, that God is provoking um, within you. It really is um, worth a listen. And today, um, I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak this morning about what holy devotion looks like. I'm going to be talking about holy devotion. And you know, this picture of Julian, it really is a picture of a deep cry to have an earnest longing for God above all things. And I feel uh, that God is really speaking to me uh, personally about devotion at the moment. You know, what does it look like to grow in greater devotion when nothing else matters, when nothing else matters at all, except for my devotion, my love for God? I want to be so in love with God that my life overflows from that place only. I want to, here's my prayer at the moment, I want to feel and be so in love that my life overflows from that place. And he is making me aware, maybe some of you too, of the stuff that can get in the way of that life. Things that stop me from pointing to him, to his glory, to his purposes alone. And I want this life. I want this life more than anything else. And I believe 
He is doing this, this in us all. I think he is doing this in us all, that we might become fully alive. That's what a picture of being fully alive is. So we're using this word, holiness, a lot. Um, so let's recap quickly on what it means for those that haven't been around. I'm sure if I were to uh, ask the room what holiness means, I'm sure many of you would say it means to be separate from the world or to be set apart. And, you know, this is completely true. It is completely true. But I think it's just not true enough. It's not true enough. It's so easy, isn't it, to focus on all the things that we are doing to separate us or all the ways that we are different from the world, things that set us apart. You know, holiness can often be seen as a life which is the absence of imperfection. But it's so much more than this. It's so much more than this. It's wholeness. It's freedom. It's fullness of life. That's what he's calling us into, wholeness, fullness of life. It is freedom. And focusing, you know, on the separation element, it means that we forget to keep focused on the one that is truly holy, the one that is completely other, the one that is completely set apart, is in his nature holy, the only one that can make us holy. And who is that? Yeah, God. Holiness, then, at a deeper level, means devoted or consecrated. The two belong together. We need both. You know, devotion creates the separation. You know, it creates the separation element, not the other way around. Devotion creates the separation element, not the other way around. So what, then, is devotion? What is devotion? I like this definition. A wholehearted commitment to a person or a cause. We read in Matthew uh, 22, 31, Jesus is asked by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? Sort of trying to trick him. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the greatest commandment. And this is actually taken from Deuteronomy in the Old Testament in 6.4. When Moses gets, you know, gets the Ten Commandments and God says to Israel, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And this word love in Deuteronomy, it is, he's, it, this word, he's not talking about a romantic notion. You know, it's not solely about feeling or whether you feel in love or not. But he is talking about a covenant obedience. He's talking about a covenant love. It is a promise to God of single-minded fidelity. That's the love that he is talking about in this passage. You know, it's interesting because in other ancient texts, this, uh, this word love in other ancient texts, it refers to things like loyalty. It refers to things like faithfulness or even being allies to. So consequently, when we hear in the Old Testament about loving and hating the other, it doesn't mean the hate thing, not to like as we know the word today. It doesn't mean that we don't like that. But it means to not be in a special or covenant relationship with. So the central idea then is that God's love and hatred is a question of covenant relationship. 
It's a question of covenant relationship. For example, Jesus says that you must hate your father or mother to be a true disciple. And you know, he isn't talking about hating as we know it today. You know, it's not talking about hating your parents as we know it today, but putting God above all else. Basically saying that your mum and dad, your mother and father, are not to be your primary covenant relationship. That's what he's talking about. And Jesus also says you cannot serve two masters. In Luke 16, 13, um, it says you must love one and hate the other. And in the Old Testament, it was impossible um, to have this sort of covenant obedience, covenant love to two kings at the same time. You have to obey the covenant stipulations with one or the other. It was impossible in these times to have allegiance to, to more than one master. And so this is what Jesus is speaking to us about today. Devotion looks like a covenant relationship where God is our one true master. He is our one true master. We have so many other masters in our lives, subtle ones and sometimes blatant ones, things that control us, you know, our addictions, our fears, people around us, regrets, relationships, jobs, careers, our purposes, all of these things. And devotion looks like giving over all our other masters. Devotion looks like giving over all our other masters to him. This is why God wants our devotion because when we devote ourselves to him, we turn away from our sin. And the sin is what ultimately destroys us and keeps us held back. I've been meditating, as we read just now, on the story of the woman we just read. I mean, it is quite an astonishing piece of scripture. And I think, what a picture of devotion. What a picture of devotion. And then what a picture of freedom. This devotion is a picture of freedom. It, it paints a picture of complete and utter surrender to one master, to one master. She is giving Jesus everything in this encounter, absolutely everything. Her livelihood, her status, she's giving her heart. You know, she is not fearing man in this situation, is she? She's probably walked into a man's world, you know, and she is pouring everything out onto Jesus, breaking all cultural rules, pure devotion. It is single-minded love and service of Jesus, single-minded love and service to Jesus. And, you know, she's not doing this to win any brownie points, is she? She's not doing it to look impressive it is a pure response of pure love. And I want this. I want this in my life. And I want this for our lives. How do we live in response to his love? Okay, so I'm going to take a drink. I'm just going to um, highlight four things, I think, just really quick things and how then we can grow in holy devotion. The first one practice. You know, we speak about these quite a lot here at Trinity, but these are not holy in themselves. You know that. These practices are not holy in themselves. They take you to the one that is holy. 
They take you to the one that is holy. These practices promote and provide a platform for the presence of God. And that's the end, folks. These practices take you to the presence of God, which is the end. That's the purpose that we spend time with him. Because contact with God transforms us. Contact with God transforms us. Contact with God makes us more wholly devoted. And we have a practice here in our church. We do three things, as many of you will know. Um, firstly, we um, start in the morning uh, and we read scripture um, together. And that can look really different and for lots of people. Um, and then the middle of the day, we have a practice where we all um, pray the Lord's Prayer at 12 o'clock. We've heard great stories of people whose alarms have gone off in all sorts of different settings. Um, and we pray the Lord's Prayer. So if you haven't done that, set a little time, um, a time um, alarm uh, for 12 o'clock. And when that goes, say the Lord's Prayer. It could be under a breath. I'll say it out loud. Um, but it's just a moment in the middle of the day to refocus on why we're here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Um, it's just a really helpful way to keep us in step with him. And then thirdly, uh, we have this thing, we do this thing called the examine. And again, that can look so different uh, for so many of us, but where we um, spend time in the evening just looking back over our day, what have we done, where, where have we seen God um, show up? And then that sort of guides our prayers um, at the end of the day. And there is resources for all of this stuff um, on the website, so please um, go and have a look. And we are going to be talking more about these practices, about Sabbath and fasting. You know, over Lent, we'll be talking about fasting. What does that mean? Um, even look like. Um, but I just wanted to give um, just a little permission, I think, in all of that, um, that God relates to us in so many different ways. And I think it's really easy to sort of get um, sort of bogged down with the ways in which we should be um, devoting ourselves to God. You know, we relate and connect with God in completely unique ways. And we need permission to go and find the way that you connect with God in the way you do it. Not like the person next to you, but how you do it. These are just helpful guidelines to help us um, get practices into our lives. You know, I felt a lot of pressure being um, uh, a mum, particularly in the first couple of years uh, when they were little, you know, felt so much pressure that I wasn't having this like amazing quiet time um, in the mornings where it's candles and silence. But honestly, it just, I actually say it hasn't looked like that for many, many years because I've got a child next to me who I found in my Bible this week, just a scribble all over my Bible. It's a beautiful picture in her mind, but a scribble in my mind. Um, you know, so I think we, and I just have felt this sort of um, pressure that I'm not doing it right. Mum's in the room and dads, you know, you're feeling it, right? And I just want to, I just feel like it's the tenderness of God to just release that pressure, there has to be a release of pressure that he wants to connect with you in all sorts of different ways. And I think if we allow the Holy Spirit into those moments, into changing nappies or whatever it is, or wherever we're, you know, even if it's a busy career or whatever, and that you need to leave early, just invite him in to those sort of regular times. Um, because it's the connection that matters, not checking it off the to-do list. It's the connection um, that matters. 
And I just really felt God liberate me from this recently. Just taking off the pressure. He was like, I just want to meet with you, Amy. I just want to meet with you. And it looks very different. It looks like walking or it looks like having times at different parts of my day. It looks like talking to him all day. It doesn't have to be this sort of set, rigid um, practice or this bit, sort of rigid time in the day um, for us to connect with God. So find your way of connecting with God. Give yourself permission to find your way. Okay, secondly, um, remember, I was uh, recently talking to a friend about my longing um, in this area to love him more and honestly just care less about myself. I am desperate to just care less about myself and care more about what I am and who I'm proclaiming and who God is. And I was reminded um, as I was talking to her of my first encounter, you know, the first time that I met God. You know, that when I met him, he changed my life completely. And it was really important for me to go back to remember what life was like before him, okay? you know, before I met him. You know, so broken, um, so insecure, so um, afraid and full of shame. You know, and I had to go back to that place um, to remember what he has done, what he had liberated me from. And after I met God when I was 21, had this moment that totally changed my life, the sort of the weeks and the months and the years following was just an overflow it was just a pure overflow of love because I felt so saved from so much that I just wanted to do. I didn't know any Christian rules. I didn't know any Christian language. I didn't know any Christian sort of um, practice. I just did it because I was in love with God. And I honestly, I sort of, I feel like, oh, I just want that back. I want that back where I am reminded of of my love and my gratitude of who Jesus is. And so for me, it's been a really helpful practice to go back to that place. And for some of you, it might be helpful for you too, to go back to the time when you first met Jesus, when you first encountered him. Remember what he saved you from. And remember um, who he is. It's so easy to suddenly get entitled, isn't it? That we are, we're deserving of um, different things or wanting to present ourselves in the cultures around us, even the church cultures around us, to be seen, to be living in a certain way. And it's just not living out of this devotion and this, just, this, this, this love that's overflowing um, from that place. Okay, thirdly, choose. Devotion is then a combination of two things, emotion and choice. We have been given the ability to choose. So say no to the stuff that's not good for us. It's really simple. Say no to the stuff that's not good for us. Say no to the use or um, overuse of things. Pick good friendships, people to be honest and vulnerable with, people who encourage you in your devotion, cheer you on, not tear you down. People who speak truth to you. Be aware of the stuff uh, you watch. Be aware of the stuff that you watch, the stuff that you read, and the stuff that you hear. All feeds us. It all feeds us. Get rid of anything that feeds hate and lies and jealousy. You have a choice. We have a choice to begin to say no. We have a choice to say no. I'm not going to enter into that relationship because it's not good for me. You know, it's really not that, it's not that, it's sort of, sort of quite simple, but we have a choice. We have a choice. Remove anything from your life that's not loving. 
You know, it's, um, it's a really silly story, but it might sort of help a little bit. But um, this week I was planning for um, this uh, service today. Um, and, you know, I was by my computer writing and asking God, what did you want to say? And, um, and then I had to go to Sainsbury's because I had to buy some food to cook for my kids. You know, really sort of rock and roll. So I went to Sainsbury's. And as I was in Sainsbury's, I was like, I don't love that I'm suddenly by my computer writing this about devotion. And then I'm in Sainsbury's. I don't, I want it to be... I want it to have um, a link. You know, I want my devotion to flow into every part of my life. Um, so I was in Sainsbury's, I was walking around, and I said, Lord, you know, we've been talking about devotion by my computer in the study. I'm like, but, you know, what, what does it look like now? What does it look like in this place to be devoted to you? What does it look like? And I was just praying this in my head. And I felt really simply that God said to me, to be devoted to me in this place is to be kind. <laughs> Literally, to be kind. Be kind. And so actually, as I was walking around Sainsbury's, I just was really intentional with being kind to the people around me. And, you know, I think when we talk about holiness, when we talk about, um, you know, sort of growing in holy devotion, we can sort of feel like it's this big sort of grand, you know, sort of it's totally unattainable. How am I going to get to be so holy and holy devoted? You know, and I just think it is, um, it is a life of daily choices, like my one in Sainsbury's. You know, it's a daily choice to say, God, I'm going to walk into this station. What does it look like to put you first? What does it look like to put you first in this moment, in my day, in my meetings, in my time with the kids? What does it look like to put you first today? That's what it looks like to be devoted to him. And then we'll grow in that devotion, choice after choice after choice. And see the stuff that you stop doing because you've prayed that prayer. Okay, fourthly, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Probably most importantly. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.17 it is my like, ha, oh, my scripture, I love it. Uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, we are passionate about his presence here at, at, um, at Trinity. I was about to say St. Melitus, but we're not at St. Melitus. Um, but we are, um, they are too. Uh, but we are passionate about his presence here at Trinity because where his presence is, there is freedom. It's really simple. Where his presence is, there is freedom. He is bringing us in to more of the people that we are created to be. It is the grace of his Holy Spirit in us, sanctifying us, making us become more holy, devoted people. And he wants us to give it all over to him, surrender everything to him. He wants us to stop serving other masters because we were created ultimately to worship God only. You know that we were created to worship God only. That's, our, that's why we were made. Anything outside of that will just lead to death, effectively. <laughs> Won't leave, lead to life. And so we need to let him have access to everything. Surrender it all and see what he does. And you know, this isn't just the bad stuff. It's the good, the good, the bad, the skills, um, the lack that we feel, our shame, our insecurity, doubts, addictions, pain, inadequacies, our relationships, careers, our future plans. Allow him in. Give them over to him. And you know, I have seen him set me free in ways that I didn't think were possible, honestly. I didn't think I could experience liberation in the ways that I, ha I do. 
He has set me free in ways that I honestly couldn't thought. I just didn't think possible. He's held me, he sort of freed me from the things that have held me back in life, of pursuing God, of worshipping him. And, you know, it can feel really scary, can't it? Giving away and giving over and saying, okay, Lord, come into this. It can feel scary because the lie is that it will somehow keep us safe. The control and the things that we don't want to give over, it's scary because we think it's keeping us safe. And it's a fat lie because it's not keeping you safe at all. It's holding you back from true liberation. For me, you know, he's brought things to my attention really, really gently. And he's revealed things um, in my life that aren't given over to him. Stuff that honestly I didn't even realize. Sometimes he'll just bring things into my mind or my spirit or my soul. And I'm like, oh gosh, that's really ugly or oh yeah I am so bound by that thing or whatever it is and it's bit by bit by bit gently sort of showing me where I'm held back where I'm serving another master and I just really felt like I wanted to say today that this is his kindness it is his kindness that he reveals and shows us and prods us and, and um, reveals to us the stuff that is not in submission um, to him. And I wanted to say that I can testify that he has never forced himself, ever. God doesn't force it on us. It has always been such a tender invitation to greater liberation. You know, God is so tender. He's so... He's so tender and he's so kind. And, you know, he's not wanting to bash us and beat us. He's just saying there's greater liberation. And it's an invitation to say, that that is not in um, submission to me. And that is hurting you. And so give it to me. That's all it is. Give it to me. And then as we give it over and we allow him in, you know, sometimes it's not, you know, fireworks and everything's perfect. But you've said, all right, God, you can have this bit. You can have this bit. You can have this relationship. You can have this insecurity. You can have this fear. And as we we sort of let him in, see what he does. See what he does. Because his Holy Spirit is only working to liberate and sanctify so when we've asked the Holy Spirit to come in, he will do that. Trust that he's doing it, even when we don't necessarily feel it. Trust that he is working to liberate us. He's basically working to loosen the grip of other masters in our lives. And I think the question is, are we willing to let him into it? Are we willing to let him into it? Make room. Give access to him. I just want to go back to the woman that we read about just now. I just love how Jesus responds. I love how Jesus responds. Jesus gives her dignity. Jesus gives her dignity. He says to the others, he says, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. As she pours her devotion out, he holds her up high. As she pours her devotion, he holds her up high. He gives her status in a room where she should have no status because of her devotion. He gives her status. 
She doesn't do it herself. He gives her status. And it's so interesting to me that in Mark and Matthew's reading of the story, the woman's never named. It's just the woman. She's never named in these, in these Gospels. Her name wasn't written down in the story. Yet Jesus says in verse 9, I tell you the truth. Whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What then is her legacy? What is her legacy? It clearly isn't her name, her career, her family, her looks, her position, her achievements, her status, her approval, social media platform, her level of contribution. What was it? What she remembered by? It was her devotion. Her devotion is her legacy. And I think the challenge for me and for us today, this morning, is will your devotion be your legacy? Will you allow devotion to be your legacy? Just devotion. Let's start. I'm going to pray. Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did, both individually and in our lives together, so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening. Thank you.